Is Francis a miracle worker? You've probably heard that story floating around the secular media. They're reporting it with bated breath. That Francis has performed a miracle of restoration. <laughs> yeah, don't believe it. It's a stupid story, and I'll clear that up for you today. And while I've seen various secular outfits reporting this, I'm going to use Alatea, which is at least a Catholic outlet, even if it's a pretty modernist one. Now, due to that, you know, that thing that the whole world is on the edge of its seat about that has resulted in our parishes closed last year and all of civilization just getting shut down, the sacraments taken from us, that which cannot be spoken of here on this platform without consequences, due to that, any mention of the associated professionals of that field addressing it or similar issues gets the hammer dropped on us by this platform by our hosts, so I have to be circumspect. But the young man in question was told by a professional in a white coat with, that is typically depicted with a stethoscope that he had that condition in the brain that was called the wasting condition at one point, before we discovered really the science behind it and the radiological means of addressing it that could take care of the problem. People who were afflicted by the condition wasted away, unless it was in the brain, then they just kind of lost it, and then they went on to our Lord. The problem in this case is this. The professional who told the boy that he had this condition was wrong. What you've heard in the media is based on an all-too-common problem. The bone saw got it wrong this time. It happens. As one professional in that field said on Twitter, quote, No, there was no miracle. The professional feared it was that wasting condition whose name you cannot say on YouTube without getting punished, and it wasn't, that's all. Francis could try working a miracle to recover the 127 million pounds lost on the London property deal at a time when London property in Britain is doing remarkably well, end quote. That would be a bigger miracle. The story is this. The kid was told this had a, uh, this is what he was dealing with. He went to saw Francis, and then it was gone. Except it was never there in the first place. What we have here is a story that's been misreported and run with by the secular media. I mean, I saw this on the Washington Post and New York Times. And, you know, we're talking about the kinds of places that haven't been in the truth business, maybe ever, to be honest. And they certainly aren't in it now, which is why anything they have to say on the faith should just be honestly ignored. I started with that story today because I'm absolutely certain that many of you will have heard it and that some of your relatives who think Francis is the greatest thing ever will be bringing it up at the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever that you're dealing with in the next few days. So I hope that I helped clear that up. It was a simple case of a professional making a mistake, and it's the kind of thing that shows that it's always a good idea to get a second opinion before running off to someone who may be able to work a miracle. Not that I'm saying such miracles don't happen. Pope St. Pius X worked miracles in his lifetime, and our Lord is free to use whomever he wants as his instrument for such works as he so chooses. Though, let's be real, those usually those miracle workers are exemplars of the faith and not public heretics, so such is life. Given that absurd story, let's do the logical thing and check in with the man himself, with Francis, who has taken on a new role as the presumed head of the Catholic Church. Motivational speaker. Yes, you too can accomplish anything if you simply set your mind to it. Francis says so. Don't believe me? Just listen to what passes for the gospel for Francis these days. During his homily for the Novus Ordo observation of the Feast of Christ the King, Francis gave us this verbal silliness, quote, It is my hope and prayer that each of you can joyfully say, With Jesus I too am a king. I too reign as a living sign of the love of God, of his compassion and tenderness. End quote. Now, was this some mangled attempt at talking about the priesthood of the laity? 
Since Christ is priest, prophet, and king, it stands to reason that he was mangling his way through that, and I'd understand if those who trip over themselves to apologize for and explain how everything Francis says is perfectly licit and perfectly Catholic, if they went there and tried to say that. But here's the thing. He's kind of going into one of the heresies of Vatican II. He's really building off of one of those heresies. One of the main errors taught by that non-binding pastoral council, a council that will be considered a robber council like the Second Council of Ephesus was, which future councils after the Second Council of Ephesus condemned and undid. That actually happened, and the apologists for Vatican II never, ever bring it up. And here is that error that he is repeating. According to the document Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 12, we get this bit of nonsense, quote, According to the almost unanimous opinion of believers and unbelievers alike, all things on earth should be related to man as their center and crown. End quote. Vatican II literally placed man as the focus of our existence, not God. That is such a clear break from history and what the Church always taught that it's just remarkable. Whereas our lives, society, and all things of the world must conform to Christ according to the Church as it taught throughout history, Instead, now, for the last 60 years, we get a focus on man instead of God. This is the principle of vital imminence in modernism, described by Pope St. Pius X in his condemnation of the errors of modernism as essentially the making or breaking of dogmas, that is, the reality and truths of the faith, being the product of the collective conscience of the believers as a body and individually. To put it most simply, vital imminence says the faith is determined by popular will, in the same way that the winner of American Idol would be determined by the audience calling into a hotline to determine the winner, or the choosing of a person to fill a secular office through some sort of tally process. So too is it with the dogmas and doctrines of the faith, not only in their being proposed, but in how they are understood, how they are defined. In other words, we cannot possibly deny the Eucharist to a public unrepentant sinner, despite the Church saying that those who promote the Moloch issue and agenda and call themselves Catholic are manifestly in a state of sin. We cannot deny them the Eucharist because their assertion about human dignity being intrinsic to the Moloch issue is correct to some degree. Modernism is at its core about the experience of the faithful, and it's enshrined in both Vatican II and in Francis's regular actions. If you're shocked that I said that the human dignity issue is intrinsic is correct, that's according to the modernists. Of course, that whole issue is an inversion of reality. Thus, we can all be kings, because the most important thing in the life of faith is the lived experiences of the faithful, the personal appearance, opinions of the faithful, and not the objective truths of the faith. It's an insidious, heretical, evil thing, and we see it promoted by Francis every day, so don't be surprised by it. In his book Treasure of Clay, Fulton Sheen described this dilemma perfectly when he said, quote, The reason why chastity is in decline is that we live in a sensate culture. In the Middle Ages, there was an age of faith. Then came the age of reason in the 18th century. Now we are living in the age of feeling. End quote. Sometimes this quote is presented as the following, quote, We live in a sensate age. We are no longer governed by faith. We are no longer governed by reason. We are governed by feelings. End quote. Either way, it's an objectively true statement. While it's in fashion now for people who oppose all the chaos of our time to point out that we live in an age where we are ruled by feelings, it's objectively true. But it's also been going on since at least the 1960s, if not longer. And Vatican II enshrined to this in the Church with the principle of vital imminence, which reduces the faith from something objectively true to something that is at least in part purely subjective. This, combined with the erroneous partnership between Caesar and the Church on any number of fronts, has led the Church embracing ideas of the Bolsheviks, the errors of Russia. From tradition and action, we get this story. 
Francis names a devotee of the hammer and sickle to an actual major pontifical academy of post. According to the article, quote, Emilce Cuda, a member of Argentine Theology of the People, a branch of Liberation Theology, was named by Pope Francis as the head of the Pontifical Commission for Latin America. Above, she is behind the altar in the presence of Cardinal Mark Ouellet, taking possession of her new office on September 1, 2021. Cuda was formed by Jesuit Juan Carlos Ganon, last row below, who was also the mentor of Father Jorge Bergoglio. She is being presented as one who knows how to interpret Francis's documents. Under the pretext of enforcing sustainable development and ecology, Cuda's agenda is to spread the principles of liberation theology and support the popular movements, which are hammer and sickle cells established to destroy present-day capitalism by means of armed class struggle. It is yet another step taken to destroy the Catholic Church and replace her with a Bolshevik church. It is another confirmation of the words of Our Lady of Fatima. Russia will spread its errors throughout the world. End quote. Nine consecutive popes said you cannot hold to that ideology and remain in the church. Nine popes. But now we live in the full flowering of the reign of the sensate, the age of vital imminence, the arrival of the Church of Feelings, which is making way for the universal church of man, which we usually call the ape of the church around here, the mimic church, the church that everyone takes to be the Catholic church, because by all outward signs it appears to be, but it's not. Now, it's only natural that the modernists believe that the faith must center on the needs and perceptions of man instead of on the rights of God and our duties to him. Pius IX said in Quas Primus, which established the Feast of Christ the King, which was in October, not in November, quote, Those wretches tainted with the error of indifferentism and modernism hold that dogmatic truth is not absolute, but relative. That is, that it must adapt itself to the varying necessities of the times and the varying dispositions of souls, since it is not contained in unchangeable revelation, but is by its very nature meant to accommodate itself to the life of man, end quote. This is the reign of moral and theological relativism. If it is true for you, it is true for you, but not necessarily for me. That's what that says. Truth becomes relative. In this, we see that, according to the logic of the modernists, Christ is the great liberator wielding the hammer and sickle is just as true as the Christ of the Gospels. It's a contradiction, but heresies usually are contradictions in terms. Do you know what would be actually a greater miracle? If Francis could just refrain from preaching heresy or things that could be taken for heresy. He performed no miracle in that story I opened this with, and frankly, we should not be surprised that he didn't. Instead, he preaches that we can all be kings as long as Jesus is our example. Fair enough, I guess, though we are not all kings. Christ is king, and he must reign over all of society and creation. Otherwise, he is not king. We are, in our sinful, lustful nature. We are kings, and when we rule instead of Christ, disaster happens without fail. That is why the world is so rotten today, because they have uncrowned him. The modernists have, and they've enthroned themselves. And there was just a series of dominoes after that. If you want to restore the world, if you want to restore the faith and restore the freedom, Christ must be king. Maybe ruminate on that over Thanksgiving instead of getting into the usual banal Thanksgiving arguments that happen at the table every single year. They're predictable. What did you think of this? Did you think Francis really restored a boy by his touch? Do you think Francis is right that we can be kings in Christ? Let me know in the comments, please. And as always, please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.